we stated last week, if we want what Jesus had, then we have to be willing to do what Jesus did. Amen? If you, if you want that anointing in your life, then you're going to have to do the hard stuff. And, and what we're doing in 40 days is, is um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. And so I, I think that um, <clears throat> you'll be better off for it, not only physically but spiritually. So with that being said, I, I want to open the church. Um, I want to open the church Monday through Saturday at 6 a.m. For those of you that want to get your prayer in before, before your workday starts, uh, because, you know, once your workday starts, it's like it's chaotic. And um, after work, the only thing you can think about is children and dinner and um, the 10 million things on your agenda. Um, so no one's really looking for you at 6 a.m. in the morning. I've learned that. I've learned if you want real quiet time, get up early and uh, no, one's, no one's looking for you. So the church will be open at 6 a.m. if you want to come and pray uh, Monday through Friday in the next uh, 40 days starting on um, Wednesday. It'll be open at 6 a.m. You can come and pray. Uh, this, this building will be open and um, we'll close it. We'll close the church at, uh, at 7 p.m. every day. So those of you that want to get off of work and just come and detox, if you will, de-stress. You know, you just want to kind of sit and talk to the Lord for an hour before or whatever, however much time you want to spend in here. Um, we'll, we'll be closing up at around 7, okay? So just kind of give you a place to, to retreat if you need that place. Because uh, one of the five things that we're called to do in the next 40 days which starts on Wednesday, is prayer. It's prayer. It's implementing prayer in your life. And prayer is, meditation is part of prayer, right? The Bible says, I'll meditate on the word of the Lord. It's part of prayer. So you can come and meditate on God's word here and, and talk to the Lord and just, just be you and God. And um, <clears throat> it's a good time. And throughout, so be open throughout the day. Some of you have uh, erratic schedules, so, you know, lunchtime works for you or, you know, 2, 2.30 works for you, whatever. Um, just know that it will be open from 6 a.m. to uh, 7 p.m. So those of you that are watching online, you have opportunity to, to come and pray. And um, there's plenty of room for space. Of those of you that need the COVID space, there's plenty of room. Um, so I'm excited about this. Are you excited about it? I, I can't imagine what, what's going to happen to a church that's, one, reading the Bible for the next 40 days, two, uh, getting your physical body in check, right, killing the flesh, so that's the diet part, uh, three, you know, the exercise, the, the becoming healthy, not just eating right, but being healthy, and, and uh, the fourth thing is, is reading the Bible, I mean, uh, praying, it's praying, Right? And the fifth thing is the act of kindness. Uh, being kind to people. And again, not just in your circle, but people in general. People you don't know. People that you'll meet for the very first time at, at HEB or, or whatever store you shop at. Just being kind. And I'm really challenging some of you to, to have, to have um, audacious type of kindness. Right? So, so like, you're just going to knock someone's sock off. They're going to knock their socks off um, in the weeks to come. And I'm not saying you have to do it every week, but just let the Holy Spirit lead you. And, 
you know, buy someone's groceries, pay someone, pay for someone's gas, buy them a dinner. I, there's one thing I love doing. I love it, man. When I'm in a restaurant, and and I, I just, I just uh, <clears throat> like paying for random people's dinners. Just like, you know, I tell the waiter, like, you know that family over there? I want to pick up their tab, I pick up the tab and walk out. No, thank you. No, right? That's just the best kind. Like they can't do anything for me. And, um, and so, um, what a blessing that is. What a blessing that is. Have you ever had someone pay for your dinner randomly and you don't know who it was in a restaurant? Right? That's, that's just like, it's really cool. It's a cool feeling. So, acts of kindness, audacious. Be audacious about it. Yes? All right. You ready for the word? You look half asleep. You been up late? Were you up late? Were you all partying last night? Huh? You doing stuff you weren't supposed to? No? People online falling asleep. Let's go. Let's stand for the honoring the reading of God's word. Let's dive right into it. We're going to be in Luke chapter 4. Um, last week we were in Luke chapter 4. There, there's so much in this chapter. Um, I, we could spend a few Sundays in Luke chapter 4. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I need to read. I think I need to read all the scripture that I have for you. Um, Let me, let me just go through 20, and then I'll paraphrase the rest. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's a very important word, full. Full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during these days, those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, he says, if, wasn't sure yet, right? He's testing him. If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man should not live on bread alone. Then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you, lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. There's another key word in verse 14. Luke says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as it was his custom. He, said to, he, he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me 
to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. At one moment, everyone loves Jesus. They love him. He's, he's dynamic. He's powerful. He comes out of the wilderness full of the Spirit. And not only full of the Spirit, and the power of the Spirit. Those are they're two different things, and we're going to learn that today. And he goes to church, right? Because it's his custom. Come to church. It's Jesus' custom. We learn from Jesus, right? He goes to church. He reads the scroll of Isaiah. And then they hate him. How, how fickle could a group of people be? One moment, they love Jesus. The next moment, they hate him. In this very passage of scripture that I read to you, I, I didn't want to read it all to you because it's lengthy. They hate him so much that they try to throw him off a cliff. I mean, I know you get mad at me sometimes, right? Don't, don't confess, but I know you get mad at me sometimes. Do you ever get mad at me to the point where you want to throw me off a cliff? Think about that. Jesus is like in this moment in church, and, and he tells them what God has anointed him to do, and then everything goes sideways on him. They're like, we need to kill this guy. He, he, he's out of control. Over the cliff he goes. I, I don't know. I wouldn't want to pastor a group of people like that. That would be a scary group of people to pastor. Like, like you're, you're like a roller coaster. One moment you're excited. The next moment you're ready to just, you're ready to throw me off a cliff. That's where Jesus finds himself, coming out of the wilderness. It's interesting. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We look at your word and, and, and we, we do our best to interpret it. We do our best to, to gather the truths, Lord God, that you want us to know and learn for our lives, for this moment in time. And Lord, as, as we study your son, as we study his movements, as we study his language, as we study how his behavior was, what he did, what he didn't do, God, I pray that revelation will hit our hearts. I pray that from your word, from, from the foundation of, of what you speak to us, Lord God, it would be implemented in our lives. God, that we would be people that not only hear your word, but do it. People that, that will learn from your son, Jesus, that we will put into action everything that we learn. God, I pray that, that our minds would settle. Lord, that anything that we try to, to do to exalt our, our, our thoughts above Jesus, that will be rebuked. Lord, that we're here to hear the word and, and to respond to it. We're here to, to hear what the Spirit has to say and apply it to our lives. Implement it. 
God, that our emotions, if they're high right now, they would be settled. They'd be at peace. We thank you for everything that you're doing. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'll tell you never be full. Be full of the Spirit. You didn't tell your neighbor. You're very timid about that. As we um, <coughs> continue our thoughts out of the Gospel of Luke, I, I want to point out something that I found attention-grabbing. As I'm studying the Scripture, I, and again, I've, I've read Luke 4 so many times, but for some reason... This time, something stood out. Something was different about Luke 4 for me than, than it, had, it had ever been before. And, and it's in verse 1 and in verse 14. Because Luke uses two different words to describe the Holy Spirit's engagement with Jesus. It's interesting to me. And he, and, and he does it on purpose. He doesn't just use two different words because, because he... He's writing a, a thesis, and he has one word appearing one too many times. No, he didn't pull out his, his thesaurus and say, hey, what's another word for full, right? So he, he, he says in verse 1, he, Jesus, is full of the Spirit. And in verse 14, Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Verse 1, he's full of the Spirit. Verse 14 now he has the power of the Spirit. It's very interesting. It's attention-grabbing if, if you study God's Word because you know that he's going into the meeting place with God. That's what wilderness means, right? In, in, in the Bible, when, when someone's going into the wilderness, they're either being tested or they're going to meet with God. And so he's going into this meeting place for both, right? To meet with God and to be tested. And he's full of the Spirit, but he doesn't have the Spirit's power. How do we know he doesn't have the Spirit's power? Well, because he comes out of the wilderness with the power. Luke is very clear about that. I, I think if Luke, if Jesus had the power, well, he would have gone into the wilderness with the power, not just full. But he goes into the wilderness full, and he comes out with power. Well, another proof for this is is. The theologians tell us that Jesus doesn't perform his first miracle until after his wilderness experience, right? So we all know that in John, John records his, his first miracle of turning water into wine, but that doesn't happen, theologians tell us, until after Jesus has exited the wilderness. So he goes in full of power, and he, I mean, he goes in full of the Spirit, but he comes out of it with the power of the Spirit, and, and I think he does this for several reasons. And one of the main reasons Luke does this is because Jesus is fully man. I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes as we're reading the scripture, we go, oh, that's Jesus. That's the son of God. Like he can do anything. Well, yeah, he can do anything because he does the hard stuff so he can do anything. And, and the interesting part of this is that Luke is, a, he, he begins to build this case that Jesus 
was a man just like you and I. And so when he goes in full of the Spirit, he comes out with the power of the Spirit. It's, we cannot miss this point because Jesus, he needs to be full of the Spirit and he needs the power of the Spirit. You see, because the ministry of Jesus goes flat without the power of the Spirit. Like his ministry's flat. There's nothing to it. There's no oomph to it, right? There's no demonstration of God's power. There's, he's just like you and me. And he's like, he's like, well, I'm the son of God and I have the spirit. Well, prove that you have the spirit. Well, he does. He does. When you study his life, he, he shows you that he has the power of the spirit in his life. And so he walks on water and he quiets the storms and and he turns water into wine, and he raises the dead, and he does all these miraculous things, not in his natural strength, but in his supernatural strength. And that's very critical for us. It's critical for us because now we cannot have that excuse, well, Jesus was the Son of God. That's why he was able to do what he was able to do. Well, no, Jesus was human like you and I. Jesus faced temptation for 40 days like you and I face temptation on a daily basis. Jesus, he, he turned away from temptation out of his natural strength, not out of his supernatural power. And that's very, that's very critical for us to understand when we're studying Luke because it's not that Jesus has power that he turns away from Satan no, he has discipline. Turn to your neighbor and say discipline. We're going to learn in 40 days what discipline looks like. Right? His ministry goes flat without the power of God, without the power of the Holy Spirit. He is full of the Holy Spirit to live a life of obedience. Do you know when the Spirit comes on Jesus? Do you recall in the scriptures, right, when Jesus gets baptized and then, uh, you know, the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, right, and comes on Jesus. And, and so he receives the Spirit, but he doesn't receive the Spirit's power at that point. He receives the fullness of the Spirit in his life. And this is critical because then we understand that he's a man just like you and I. And, and God, God himself, God is all-powerful, but humanity's weak. Humanity's weak. Jesus entered this world as a human, a weak human. He entered this world without any supernatural power. So that's why it's important for us to understand the difference in words that Luke is using, Jesus being full and Jesus having the power. In other words, we, came, we come into this world weak. Our flesh is strong, Right? It, it, it beats us down. It, it keeps us from, from running to God rather than, rather than as the Spirit would keep us running to him. The flesh dominates. But Jesus becomes an example of how to bring your flesh into submission. He, he becomes an example of how to, how to have the Spirit dominate rather than the flesh. And when I say the spirit, I don't mean the Holy Spirit. I mean your spirit, the spirit that lives in you. 
So I have this, I have this big idea for the sermon. It's, and it, it's pretty simple. It's right out of scripture. It's, it's called full power life. If you want a full power life, then you have to really do what Jesus did. Or you're not going to, you could just have a full life and no power. There's a lot of people that are born again that have a full life, but they have no power. They really, they, they really are. We have brothers and sisters that are full of the Spirit, but they have no power of the Spirit. And so, point one, very simple, full. To be full is, is, is as, as the Webster would describe it, as Webster would describe it, means to contain as much or many, as many as possible, completely in, complete in detail and in number. And there's, there's, there's nothing that fits in the container anymore. To be full means there's no room. You are absolutely full. When something is full, there's no room for anything else in the container or whatever it is that you're trying to fill. So, for example, like we've all been there, right? You've been, you've been to a great dinner and you're absolutely full and you know what it feels like to have your stomach actually just pop out at dinner. You're like really full. And they say, Do you, would you like dessert? You're like, I would love dessert, but I'm absolutely full. And we use that term meaning that nothing else Fits. Because some, some of us still try to make it fit. And you get in trouble, right? It hurts later. We still, we still try to make it fit. Some of us have a sweet tooth. You're like, oh, I'm so full, but I need, I need to taste the sugar. Listen, our, our hearts can be full of love. Full of love. Like there's absolutely no room for anyone else in your heart. Right? It's the day of Valentine's. You're like, I have my my loved one, I have my spouse, like, like it's so full that no one else can fit in there. My life is full. We use this term as, like, like I, I completely have no time for anything than what's on my schedule. If it's not on my schedule, I don't have time for it because it's full. Right, we, we understand this idea of full. And so when Luke is communicating that Jesus is full of the Spirit, he's saying that there's no room for anything else in his life but the Spirit. You can kind of see where we're going with this. Jesus has the power of the Spirit because his life is full of the Spirit. Some of us want the power of the Spirit, but our life only half full, or our life a quarter full. And some of us want the power of the Spirit, and we really don't want to full anything. We just want the power. We don't want to be sick, and we don't want to go through financial struggles, and we don't, we don't want to face the hardships of life. So we want the power of the Holy Spirit in our life so that all those things can disappear. But I'm here to tell you that that's not how it works in Scripture. How it works in Scripture is that if you want the power, then you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You see, that's, that's what Luke's communicating. It's not a very popular message, but it's a message nonetheless that we have to learn. Ephesians 5 says this, be very careful then how you live. Be very careful then how you live. It, in other words, the responsibility is on us, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. 
Now, that, uh, you can interpret that so many ways, but I, I would like for you to interpret that as, as taking opportunity to do what God has called you to do here on earth. You're making most of every opportunity in your life to be obedient to God, to do what God has called you to do, not making most of every opportunity to live life to its fullest. I know that's what we would like to do, right? YOLO, we only live once, right? No, that's not what that really means. What that really means is I'm going to take every opportunity to, to display my obedience to God. Uh, why, why do we interpret it that way? Because in verse 17 it says, therefore, do not be foolish. <laughs> well, if you want to know what a foolish person does, I encourage you to read the Proverbs. The foolish man doesn't believe in God. The foolish person doesn't listen to the wise. The foolish person doesn't want to be obedient to God. But understand the will of God, the will of the Lord. It says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be what? Filled with the Spirit. That word filled is the same word Luke uses that Jesus was full of. He was full of the Spirit. Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, because if you're filled with the Spirit, then what? Then you're speaking to one another in psalms and songs, and, and you sing from the heart to God, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. And so being full of the Spirit helps us be wise. If you're full of the Spirit, you're going to live wise, not as the unwise. You're not going to be foolish. If you're full of the Spirit, it means you're going to take every opportunity to do what God has called you to do, to be obedient. Being full of the Spirit helps us, you know what it helps us do? Understand God's will. Being full of the Spirit means I understand what God wants for my life. There's no confusion in it. Jesus was never confused about what his orders were. He was never confused about what God had expected from him. He was never confused about the assignment from heaven. Never confused. Why? Because he was full of the Spirit. I'm challenging you that when you're full of the Spirit, you can live wise every day of your life. You can take every opportunity of your life and you can know God's will for your life. People who walk around saying, well, I, I don't know what God's will for my life is. I don't, I, I'm confused. I, I'm waiting on confirmation. Those people obviously have never read Luke chapter 4 or Ephesians 5 because if you're full of the Spirit, the Bible says you understand what the Lord's will is. Confusion only comes from the devil when it comes to spiritual things. I'm not, I'm not saying we can never be confused in the natural. That's, that's normal. I'm talking about spiritual things. Spiritual things, <laughs> well, they, they deal with spiritual issues. And what better person in your life than the Holy Spirit <laughs> to guide you and direct you? Y'all are quiet. I know what that means now. I know it means you love me. Not you're going to throw me off a cliff. Right? That's what it means. See, being full of the Spirit helps you understand the will of God. And, and we will not get drunk. But instead, we will worship the Lord together. That's what full of the Spirit is. Is that when we come together, if all of us are full of the Spirit, then we're coming together and we're singing songs to one another 
and unto the Lord. Our hearts are worshiping God. We're actually worshiping him from the heart, from the spirit, not from just our vocal cords, not just from our diaphragm, right, where we're pushing out a, a note, where we're pushing out something that might sound good, but it's from the heart. And when it's from the heart, my goodness, the Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. Things change. Being full of the spirit means there's no room for other stuff in your life. There's no room. Whenever, have, whenever someone is born again and they have the born again experience, listen, they, no one needs to tell them, don't do that. Don't say that. Because when you're full of the spirit, you know what offends God. You just know. It's in, it's in our natural relationships. Pick any relationship you want. You can pick the marital relationship. You can pick the friendship. You can pick a, 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 a parental relationship. Pick any relationship you want. When you're in a relationship with somebody, you know what will and what will not offend that person. Now, if you choose to offend them, that's your choice. It's no different with God. It's like when you are born again, you don't need a list of rules of what not to do and what to do because you're full of the Spirit, you'll know. And after you do it, you'll be checked. Your, your spirit man will say, well, you can't do that again because that was not proper or that was not appropriate, that was not kind to somebody, right? And I, I, think, I think where the confusion might, might arise is when, is when someone thinks like, oh, I'm full of the Spirit, and so you and I might feel like, if I'm full of the Spirit, then that means all of my bad habits go away. All of the sin in my life goes away. It, it means that, that I'm now perfect. And so we get, we di- we get a little dis- disenfranchised with, with Christianity because we're like, I thought you said when I'm born again, I'm going to be different. <laughs> I notice that I'm still the same. Well, yeah, it's kind of frustrating. I get it. And, and, and here's, here's, here's the reason why. Because most of us feel like if I'm full of the Spirit, then, then I will never sin again. And, and that's not true. That's not true. I believe, I believe that the Bible teaches that there's, a, there's, there's the, <laughs> the strength the strength in us to never sin again. I really do. If, if, if we truly interpret what, what Luke is saying here in Luke 4, if Jesus is fully man, then, then that means he had every opportunity to sin. Every opportunity. But, uh, we have a hard time seeing Jesus that way. Because we're like, Jesus is the son of God. Yes, he is. But he's also the son of man. And, and so that means that in Jesus' life, his 33 years, he had every opportunity to sin, but he chose not to. Which tells you and me something. It tells us that, that we have every opportunity not to sin. And so when we do sin, it's, it's because we chose to. Let's not confuse ourselves. 
right? And let's not confuse ourselves saying, oh, just because I'm full of the Spirit, then, then all my struggles go away. And, and so I, what I want you to know is that, is that being full of the Spirit means that you have the strength now, you have the wisdom, the understanding to make a decision not to sin. Not that it keeps you from sin, but it now prepares you for a path of obedience rather than disobedience. And because you're prepared for the test, now you get to decide, where do I want to go? Do I want to be obedient or do I want to be disobedient? The choice is yours. But you have now been equipped because you're full of the Spirit. Well, when do we get full of the Spirit? Well, you get full of the Spirit when you're born again. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible teaches us in John that the Spirit gives birth to Spirit and flesh gives birth to flesh. So when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Bible says you are now born of the Spirit. You are full of the Spirit. The Spirit comes and lives in us, regenerates our lives, restores us back to Christ and, and, and the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit. We're, we were restored. And so now we have choices to make. In fact, Paul wrestled with the same thing. He says in Romans 7, he says, so I find this law at work. He calls it a law. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, raging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who can rescue me from this body that, that is subject to death? And then he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. He answers his question. He says, how can I be delivered from this wretchedness? He says, thank God through Jesus Christ his son, his Lord. You see, Paul Paul understood this dichotomy that happens within every one of us, every one of us, even those people that, that seem to try to make themselves super spiritual. Listen, there's a dichotomy that goes on inside that person. There's a wrestling, there's a, there's a struggle, a real-life struggle that says, I want to do good, that's the spirit man. Man, I want to do good, I want to be good. But then the flesh comes alive and says, well, we don't want to do that today because we feel more like this. You can be full of the Spirit and still have those struggles. That's called temptation. That's the 40 days that Jesus went through. But now we've been equipped. Now we know. We understand God's will. We understand how we're supposed to live because we're full of the Spirit. And so now I can say to the flesh, go, yes, I desire this. I want this. This looks good. It feels good. In fact, it's, it's enticing, but th this is better. This pleases the Father. This over here keeps me in line with heaven. This, this is the narrow. I choose the narrow. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't choose the broad. Jesus was full of the Spirit. 
led into the wilderness by the Spirit. But it was his choice that gave him the victory over the devil, not the Spirit's power. We need to understand that. You, you need to understand that when you are born again, you have the choice to make decisions to to not do evil, to not be wicked, to not be unrighteous, unholy. You have that choice. And, and I, I really want to hit this home because I think as, as, as a community, we have, we have allowed ourselves to really put the onus on the devil and he tempted me and he made me do it and, and I, I couldn't say no and I couldn't walk away. No, you couldn't walk away because you didn't want to walk away. You couldn't say no because you didn't want to say no. You see, I, I cannot stress this enough that Jesus was full of the Spirit. He was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, but it was Jesus' choice that gave him victory over the devil. His choice. He said, turn this bread into stone. I mean, this, this stone into bread. He chose not to. Worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms. He chose not to. Commit suicide, jump off this bridge. He chose not to. It wasn't the Spirit's power. It was his choice. I want you to see this. Jesus did not win the supernatural battle with supernatural power. He didn't win it with the forces of heaven, no, but he, he won, he won, this is critical, with the word of God and the discipline to reject fleshly desires. That's why it's important in the next 40 days that we read the Bible. That we get the word of God in us, right? It's David that says, your word is a light unto my feet right? Unto my path. That's what guides my path. It's your word, right? It's his word that, that cleanses us. It's his word that teaches us. It's his word that strengthens us. And so we need to understand that Jesus, he didn't win this supernatural fight with the devil, with supernatural power. No, he won with a choice to reject human or fleshly desires and the word of God. How did he respond? Turn this bread and turn this stone into bread? No, man should not live on bread alone, but the word that comes from God. That's how man should live, right? He says, listen, I, you can, if you worship me, I'll give you everything that you ever desire on this earth. And he's like, no, the Bible says, worship the Lord your God only, right? No idols, that's what he's telling them. I won't have an idol in my life. I won't put something in my life that will supersede God or that will be supreme. Only God is supreme in my life. That's what Jesus is telling them because he's full of the spirit, right? He says, well, throw yourself off this cliff. And he's like, no, I will not test the Lord. I won't test him. I won't do it. You, you didn't see anywhere in Luke's writing that Jesus called down angels from heaven, that Jesus, you know, he looked towards heaven and he's like, he's like, I, I need, I need this, I need that. No, no, no. You see that in Gethsemane, which is a whole nother sermon, right? When he looks towards the father and he's like, I need the strength. I need the power, right? That, that's a whole nother sermon. And this issue, Jesus is like, no, you know how I'm going to overcome the flesh? 
I'm going to overcome it by knowing what God's word says about the flesh. You know how I'm going to overcome the flesh? You know how I'm going to overcome this? Is I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to discipline my body to reject desires that are unhealthy for me. Paul says it too. He says, I beat my body into submission. He beats his body into submission to, to what? To the word of God. To do what God has called us to do. What a powerful lesson we, we, we can learn. Listen, we, we don't need heaven to split wide open. Uh, and, and we don't need to walk on water. And, and we don't need to uh, defeat our enemies with, with supernatural power. You don't need to be able to turn water into wine. All you need in order to defeat your flesh and defeat the devil is the word of God and discipline. Is what you need. But you can tell. <laughs> Discipline is hard to find these days. We, we're, we're disciplined for the things that we want. I know that. As Americans, we are disciplined for the things that we want. If you want it, you'll be disciplined for it. But, you know, pastor, no one makes you eat that fried chicken. No one makes you. That's right. I make a choice. There's, there's a lack of discipline in my life in that area, right? It's like, it's like I don't know what your vice is. I, I, you know, mine's ice cream, fried chicken, and, and nutty bars, right? And, and, and I don't, I don't want to work out. It's like, it's like, I feel like, man, you're 46. Why do you have to work out? Like, what's the big deal, right? I just, I just don't want to do it. Anybody feel that way? you just like, I just don't want to do it. No, just me. I, I, I can see you physically. You know that, right? <laughs> You're like, I can tell you don't want to work out. Quit trying to lie to me. You know? But in, in the deeper things, like I ask people about reading. No, no one likes to read anymore. Like, When's the last time you actually read the Bible? Like you picked it up. And just, just read it. Discipline yourself. Like, some of us can't read the Bible for more than five minutes without falling asleep. There's no discipline. Some of us, you probably couldn't pray for more than two minutes without falling asleep. I know the disciples had a hard time praying. They walked with Jesus. Right? Listen, it, it's a powerful lesson. And, 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 and the lesson is this. You're full of the Spirit. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're full of the Spirit. And when you're full of the Spirit, it means you understand God's will for your life. Read Ephesians 5. You understand God's will for your life. And, and, and you're going to operate out of wisdom, not foolishness. And, and you're going to defeat the devil. I don't know if you noticed this, but the Bible, I'm running out of time. I haven't even got to my other two points yet. Um, the Bible, Luke says... And, and the devil left him for another opportune time, right? He, he just left him. And, and for me, the, the, an opportunity in the future, that doesn't strike me. That's not, that's not grabbing. What's grabbing for me is that the devil actually stopped. He actually stopped. Why did he stop? I don't know. Maybe he realized there was no, there was no winning this, this front here. Maybe he realized that that, you know, 
I don't know who Jesus is yet because if he was the son of God, he kept asking him, right? He kept trying to say, prove yourself if you're the son of God. Maybe he didn't know. He just left. Here's the important thing for you and me. And Peter says this. He says, resist the devil and he shall what? He shall flee, right? Right. So that tells me that you and I can make decisions and quote the word of God to our temptations and they leave. They leave. Now, it might take 40 days for them to leave, but nonetheless, they're going to leave. Right? But that's the, that's the hard thing, right? Can you imagine resisting the same thing over and over and over again for 40 days? It's like, oh, I want to just give in. That's the hard thing. But if you do the hard thing, then you get what's coming next. And that's the power, right? Full power life, like it starts with being full. You can never receive the power without being full. You have to understand that. You can never receive the power without being full. How do we, how do we get full of the Holy Spirit? You become born again. In other words, you cannot have the power of the Holy Spirit if you are not born again. Cannot. In the, and, and the word power, it's not the same as being full. Full means there's no more room, right? There's nothing in, there's no room in your life for, for anything. And the word power Luke uses in the gospel is the same word he uses in Acts. Acts chapter 1, right? We're all familiar with it. If you're not, you're about to become familiar with it. And it, and it means ability. It means ability. So in, in the... In the Greek, it's this supernatural ability. Now, I need to pause there for a moment because I need you to understand that as human beings, we, we have abilities. We have power. We have abilities to do things. God, God ordained that from the way he created us, right? We have abilities to create things. We have abilities to, to build things. We have abilities to, 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 to do incredible things that have been given to us by God. We can never forget that it's he that gives us the ability, right? That's what Deuteronomy, teach, Deuteronomy teaches us. It's like, don't forget who gave you the ability. Don't forget, in other words, don't forget who gave you the power to do what you need to do here on earth. And so that's called natural power, natural ability, right? And, and, and we all have it. Some of us at a greater level than others, only because some of us are more dedicated to a craft than others, but every one of us has the ability to do whatever it is that you want to do. You have the ability. Not everybody has the supernatural ability. And I think that's where we get hiccups. Because we're like, well, I'm full of the spirit, so I should have supernatural ability. No. I'm sorry. You don't. You don't have supernatural ability, and that, that really busts a lot of bubbles because you've been taught all your life, like, the moment, the moment you get full of the Spirit, the moment you, you know, this, this experience happens with you, like, all of a sudden now, you're walking on water, and you're, you're turning water into wine. It, it just, it doesn't happen that way. So, my job is to bring us back to earth, help us understand what this ability is, and how we live with it how we live with the power, right? And so 
here's, if you want the supernatural abilities, you want the supernatural power, well, we, again, you're going to hear me say this in the next several weeks, is we have to be willing to do the hard stuff. And a lot of us are not willing to do the hard stuff. A lot of us start well. We start the race well, right? Like the Church of Galatia. Paul says, you started so well, but you are not finishing well. Who, who has bewitched you? Who has confused you? Who has told you something other than the gospel of Christ, right? He like gets after the Church of Galatians. And he's like, you started well, but you're not finishing well. Is that, that's many of us. Like we're going to start well on the 17th. But are you going to finish well? Are you going to get to the finish line? Because that's when the hard stuff, they're pressing through when the power of God comes active in your life. So Jesus enters full, but he exits with the power. And, and in the wilderness, as I told you earlier, it's a, it's a meeting place with God. And it's a, it's a place of testing. So, so I concluded that Jesus was going to meet with God while taking some tests. In other words... <laughs> He wasn't going to meet with God until he passed some test. I'll let that settle in. I know I'm running out of time, but I, 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 can't, I can't rush through this because if I rush through this teaching, then, then I think we, we leave here just as erroneous as we came in. Jesus was sent to the wilderness to meet with God. That's why the Holy Spirit led him there. Not only, but in order to meet with God, he had to get through some tests. The tests, and, and most of us, we want to meet with God without any tests in our lives. We want to meet with God without facing any giants. We want to meet with God without having to be thrown in the lion's den. We want to meet with God without having to build an ark. That takes us forever. You want to meet with God, Moses? Well, climb the mountain and get to the very top of that mountain, Moses. And you wait there until God shows up. We have, I don't know where it came from, but we have this idea of meeting with God. is like, oh, man, they sang my favorite song. I'm going to run to the altar. And there I'm going to meet with God. And then all of a sudden he's supposed to show up. And, and all these fireworks go off and everything is just different. And, 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 and you know. I believe in those moments. I believe, I believe they happen. I believe that the Holy Spirit ministers to us. But I'm telling you, if you really want to meet with God so that you can have the supernatural power that Jesus had and that Paul had and that Peter had, well, my friend, you're going to have to pass some tests. You're going to have to go through some things and you're going to have to say no to some things so that so that the power of God can be in your life. And, and this power is, it's not fake. It's not make-believe. Jesus told Peter, he says, listen, Peter, today I give you the keys. Right? Peter becomes that, he becomes that, that, that proxy for all humanity. Like today, the keys of, of heaven were given to humanity. And, and what do those keys do? Well, they, they unlock things. They, they bound stuff in heaven and they bind things on earth. They loose things on earth and they loose things in heaven. Like those, those are real attributes of power that comes to the person who's willing to do what, it, what is necessary for that power. Acts chapter 1 says this on one occasion while they were eating with 
while he was eating with them, he is the pronoun for Jesus, he gave them this command. He says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to rescue or restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates. The Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. It's the same word that Luke used in the fourth chapter. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea. See, it's, it's, it's not you'll receive power to be my witness. No, you'll receive power and you'll be my witness. Right? That word and, that word witness is, is it's, it's the Greek word for martyr. You'll, you'll receive power and you will die. You'll die in Jerusalem. You'll die in Samaria. You'll die. And he's telling them, like, you're going to die for the gospel, right? He's like, you're going to receive this power and, and you're going to die. Pretty much, right? You can take that literally or you can take it phys uh, phys uh, figuratively. Either way, you're going to die, right? Jesus said, if you want to you save your life, you must lose your life. Right? There's going to be something that dies in you. And, and, so, and so he's telling his disciples that there's going to be this power that comes on you. You'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses. In other words, you're going to be able to do the supernatural things that need to be done. So then Acts 2.1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Right? About 50 days they waited. Uh, suddenly, like a, a sound of a blowing violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole place where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tons of fire that separated and came and rest on them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, the, it's the inauguration day, right, if you will. It's, it's the launching day of, of the Holy Spirit coming into their lives in a very physical way. The power of the Holy Spirit. They were already filled. Jesus, Jesus blew on them and said, be filled with the Spirit. They were already filled. But now they receive this power. And so when this power, when it comes to supernatural moments in, in the Bible, it's amazing. There's this partnership with heaven and with earth. Like God's all powerful. He can do whatever he wants, Right? But he doesn't choose to work that way. The way he chooses to work is he, he wants to partner with humanity. He wants, he wants us to be engaged and involved in what he's doing here on earth. And so what he does is he takes our natural, our natural abilities, and he adds his super, and it becomes supernatural. If you never are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can never have the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. So, in other words, unless you are born again, you cannot be filled with the power of the Spirit of God. You must be born again. It's the, it's the prerequisite. prerequisite. It's, it's the beginning stages of your journey with God. He will never take your natural and add his super to it if you're not born again. But once you are born again and you're willing to say, there's no more room. I'm full of the Spirit. There's no more room in my life for, for, for anything else. I'm completely yours. Willing to do the hard things. Then he takes your natural and it becomes supernatural. And, and supernatural doesn't mean that you're walking on water. Supernatural could be something as simple as the, it's not simple, but it, it, it is for us reading the scripture as Daniel being thrown in the lion's den. 
Daniel's supernatural strength and supernatural power to, to overcome the fear of not yielding his knee to a, to a, a, a tyrant and to a, a philosophy, trusting God that, that, you know what, I don't know how this is going to end, but the supernatural power of God shuts the lion's mouth. It could be something as simple as Jericho, the battle of Jericho, right, where God, all he asks of his people is to worship him. Just march around the city. That's all you have to do is march around the city, right? It's the partnership of heaven. It's, it's, this, it's this idea where God, I'm obeying God. I'm full of the spirit. I'm obeying God. And I'm just going to march around. I'm just going to do what God asked me to do. And in, in an instant, his supernatural power shows up. And the walls of Jericho begin to fall. It's out of the obedience, right? It's, it's, um, it's like Paul and Silas when they're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're proclaiming the gospel, and, and they cause a riot because they, they freed this demon-possessed girl. And, and so what do they do? They throw them in prison. They throw them in prison, just like Jesus. One moment they love Paul and Silas because they're preaching the gospel, people are getting saved. The moment they uh, Paul and Silas free this girl and... And this guy loses his, his resources, his money. They're like, nope, don't like you. You're going to prison. Goes to prison. What did Paul and Silas do? They didn't do anything supernatural. They did nothing supernatural. You know what they did in the natural? They began to pray and worship God. They sang hymns to God. And what did God do? God took their natural and added his super. And then what happened? The, the jail just, just opened wide open. Everyone got free. It, it, I think sometimes we think of supernatural as us doing some, some superhuman thing. And I'm just telling you that, that if you just obey God, you just obey God in your life, being full of the spirit and being baptized with his power, that when you're just doing your natural thing, his supernatural shows up and does miraculous things for you unannounced, unbeknownst to you, not even knowing that you needed the supernatural, right? Not even knowing that, that he, you needed an angel to protect your car from, from getting in a wreck or, or, or protect your body from receiving a virus or cancer or whatever it is. He does the supernatural in your life. You don't even have to see it. It just happens. And I don't know if you've ever experienced the supernatural, but, but when you experience it, you know that it was God. Supernatural moments in your life. Jesus says this. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have done, I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus has never spoken a lie. But he's, he's telling John is telling the readers, like, if you believe in Jesus, the things that he's done, you too will do. Here's, here's the final thing is, is life, full power life, right? So we're full of the Holy Spirit. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit in order to live life, in order to do what God's called us to do. Our worship team, we can come out of Jonathan, he's, he's still out sick with COVID, so continue to pray for him. But 
Um, I don't even know if our worship team's in here. The Bible says there's, there's daily opportunity to do good in Ephesians. There's daily opportunity to do good, to know the will of God. But we have to put in the time and the effort. I'm, there's, a, there's, a, there's a long passage of scripture in James chapter 2 that I am completely out of time to read, but I, I want to paraphrase it for you. James, James says this in the second chapter. He says, listen, if you have faith and no works, your faith is dead. It is absolutely dead. And, and I'm not talking about salvation here because, you know, you, you have, you have your, your, your people that go, well, you know, it's not by works that, that you are saved. I, I know it's not by works that we are saved. Works cannot get you into heaven. Works cannot get you into heaven. In other words, being good and doing good deeds does not give you salvation. The only thing that gives you salvation is professing the name of Jesus Christ in your life, that he is the son of the living God, and he died on the cross for you, your sins and my sins, and God raised him from the dead on the third day. That is the only thing that gets you into heaven, right? That's, that's, that's settled, not works. But as you are now grafted into the body of Christ, the Bible is very clear that every one of us has a job to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a job. Say, you have a job. You know what? I, I need to read it to you. It, who, who cares about time, right? Uh, here, let me read this to you. Let, let me read this to you because it, it's, this is, this is so critical. I, I think this, people, we feel, we feel like because I'm born again, I don't really need to do anything for the church. There's, there's that mentality. And, and you're like, no, that can't be real. It, it's absolutely real. That's why there's, there's so many roles to be played in the church, but there's very few people that want to actually play those roles. Right? So, so for example, if, if the commission has been given to us by God that we're to raise up the next generation right, we're to teach them about God, well, then that requires workers to raise up the next generation. It requires people to actually spend time with little people so that they can learn about God. But nobody wants to spend time with little people during church hour. Nobody wants to dedicate their lives to study so that they can teach the little people, right? And little people come in all sizes, right? They're very tiny, they're knee high, waist high, they get chest high, right? You're seeing the age gap now, right? To where we have young adults, like all these roles to play, but no one wants to play them. And, and here, here's, here's James teaching that, that that cannot be. It cannot be. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? It's like, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If someone says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical need, he says, what good is that? He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. It's absolutely dead. In other words, you can say you believe in Jesus Christ until Jesus comes back, but if you never have any deeds, 
your faith is dead. That's scary. He says in verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith? I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the devils believe that and shudder. You foolish person, don't, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? He says, was not your father Abraham considered righteous for what he did and as, when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that? A person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she saved and lodged the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I can't get any clearer than that. That's scripture. That's scripture. That means every one of us that sits in here that calls Jesus Christ Lord and Savior and does not participate in the kingdom of God, your faith is dead. It's dead. And it's not just doing children's work. It's like, as he said, if it's like feeding the poor and taking care of the widows and the orphans, doing something for the kingdom of God. It goes beyond these four walls, but it starts in these four walls. Y'all are quiet. Y'all still love me? Are y'all looking for the nearest cliff? No, not yet? All right. Listen, we do the hard things so we can do what Jesus did. And in order to do what Jesus did, we, we, we have to engage our life. We have to, we have to, listen, have works that connect with our faith. We can't just come and sit in church. We can't just come and sing songs that we like. We, we can't come and, and, and listen to your favorite preacher or watch him on TV or whatever it is that you think you, you and I can do to, to advance our Christianity. If your Christianity does not involve deeds that benefit the kingdom of God, then you need to reevaluate who you're serving. Jesus said in John 15, he says, listen, with me, you produce much fruit. Without me, you produce no fruit. No fruit. 40 days, church. In 40 days, we're, we're, I'm believing we're radically different. In 40 days, we're, we, we are filling this place with people that need to be reconciled back to God because we're doing the work. We're doing the work of the kingdom. We're not just coming to listen to pastor, but we're actually doing the work. You're, you're, you're talking to your friend already. You're talking to your neighbor. You're doing kind deeds to win the hearts of people. Don't just tell them they need Jesus. Meet their need. Meet their need, as James said. Feed them, clothe them, give them something to drink. Do something to meet their needs so that you can tell them about Jesus. 
do good deeds. That's the kindness, right? That's the top five things we're doing in 40 days is the act of kindness. That's your deed. And then God does his supernatural. It's amazing. He partners with us. All right, are you ready? Are you ready to pray? Yes? Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet with me. This, this, is, this is just one of those sermons that you just need to just let it incubate. You just, it just needs to just settle in your heart, in your mind. Think about it. Go back and read your notes, those of you that took notes and, or mental notes, and just think about it. Jesus was full of the Spirit. He came out of the wilderness of power. Like, I can overcome. I can overcome. I can really defeat the enemy with the word of God and some discipline in my life. There's, this, there's power that comes when you do the hard stuff. And he, he, takes, he takes our natural and he, he adds his super to it and, and does amazing things in our lives. Amazing things. Some of you are going to have some creative ideas because in the natural, you're just honoring God and he's going to give you this business plan that's absolutely going to fund your life and fund the kingdom. That's how it works. That's supernatural. Like, where did that idea come from? It came from the Holy Spirit. Come on. He's, he's going to take your natural and he's going to get you out of debt. He's going to get you out of debt. He's going to, he's going to add his super to it. But you got to be willing to do the hard stuff. But what's the hard stuff? Like, you, you got to cut your credit card up if you're spending money, right? We can get into all that stuff. You got to be willing to save. You got to be willing to, to say no to stuff, right? The hard stuff. You do the hard stuff, all the other things just get, they, they get added. It's amazing how it works.